This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 48 of the Dressage Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. We would like to thank our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products. They offer supplements designed to give you the most value for your dollars. Visit them at kppusa.com. Chris Stafford in Lexington, Kentucky. And I'm Heather Blitz in Wellington, Florida, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hi, Heather. How are you this week? I'm doing just fine. Staying busy as ever. How about you? Yeah, good. We're getting, obviously, a busy week uh, as we get these shows out this week. It's also the test events for the World Equestrian Games at the Kentucky Horse Park for dressage and jumping, and, of course, the Rolex Kentucky three-day event. So, uh, yeah, it's been a busy week here in, in uh, Kentucky, um, but a good one. You know, it just uh, heralds the start of the outdoor season, too, over in, in this part of the world. And just as Wellington sort of closes down a little bit for you, doesn't it? Well, yes. Wellington is more like normal life here now and not the busy competitive season. Um, you also get started up in your area with the very special racing, thoroughbred racing, don't you? We do. In fact, uh, first Saturday in May, of course, is traditionally the Kentucky Derby. So, uh, yeah, there's uh, just a, a week between the Rolex uh, three-day event and, and the Derby. Uh, but we actually are, you're right, it is the Keeneland season, which started uh, probably two weeks ago now, that runs through the end of this month. So, um, yeah, the focus is on um, on the thoroughbred world, and then we'll get into the sales and and you know, but there's not so many folds around. It's very noticeable that the mares weren't returned last year, and so we've seen a, um, a downturn in the in the number of uh, folds out there this year. Well, well, I, I guess that would be the case, huh? Yeah. I heard that horse racing is the most watched public uh, or the most watched sport of all sports in the world. That there is attended more than any other sport. Well, I guess that's, uh, the the incentive there is the gambling, isn't it? I think that's where it gets the the public. Right. But of course, in the sport horse world, we tend not to gamble as much. We put our money everywhere else, don't we, on horses? But you know, not actually backing them. We back them in different ways, right? Many ways, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we've got a fun show this week. We're going to hear from Julie McKean. Julie is a graduate of the uh, Dressage Foundation's uh, Olympic Dream Program, and uh, she's going to share her experiences of that and what it's meant to her for her career. So I'm looking forward to sharing that conversation with you all a little bit later on in the show. But we have a few items of news this week uh, out of Europe. Uh, Heather, and uh, we start off with news that uh, Anki van Grunven's uh, Olympic partner, Salinero, um, has had a major in- minor injury to his withers, and he'll be out for about the next few weeks. And uh, the news was released uh, on Anki's website that uh, the 16-year-old Hanoverian gelding most likely got cast in his stall at night because in the morning he had a swelling on the side of his withers. The veterinarian diagnosed that the capsule around the protrusions of the withers vertebrae is damaged. And according to Anki, it's nothing really serious. But, of course, she can't put a saddle on him and so won't be able to ride him for the next three weeks. 
Um, that's unusual, isn't it, Heather? I haven't come across that too much. I think I remember one experience of uh, like fistulous withers. Have you come across that? No, you know, luckily I've never had to deal with that one. I mean, horses are fragile in so many ways, and I, I mean, I can see this being a you know pretty realistic thing. And um, but I've never had to actually deal with it myself. You have, huh? Yes, a long, long time ago, and uh, I remember, according to the textbooks, it was called fistulous withers, but nasty, yeah, and certainly you can't put anything on their back, and, you know, I think it can happen very easily. You know, when a horse gets cast, it it can have all kinds of problems from from getting cast. Um, right. You know, in, in England, we used to put those, and I, I'm sure they still do, those anti-cast rollers over the rugs, you know, with the ones with the, the hoop? Yeah, it's got a big hoop, so they can't actually roll all the way over, right? Right, exactly. And, yeah, they were very popular. I remember we, we used to have wonderful leather, you know, all in the days when we used to polish the leather and the brass and everything. Um, because these days, I'm sure it's webbing or, uh, you know, some other modern material. But uh, they were substantial enough to stop a horse going all the way over. Yeah, yeah not so often anymore, but every now and then it's a especially horses that get cast on a somewhat regular basis. I've had some horses like that, you know, tend to get cast in the stall, or even I've had some horses go out in a large field, go up right to the fence, and get cast outside also. Really? Some horses, yes, I've had that happen. One horse that used to get cast pretty often, and he was just a real challenge, and even outside in a large paddock, he could find the fence and I think he wanted attention somehow. I <laughs> think he just did it on purpose. Yeah, really? <laughs> Crazy, yeah. Well, uh, you know, you know as well as I do, the dogs will roll over uh, to have their belly scratched, but fortunately, they don't get cast. <laughs> not, not as far as I know. Maybe some <laughs> of the bigger breeds, maybe they would, like a Great Dane or something. Well, that's possible, I suppose. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, we wish Solanero uh, well, and hopefully, he'll be uh, back in the tank before much longer. We have an item of, uh, of sad news from uh, Germany this week, uh, Heather. You know, uh, Monica Teodoresco, the very uh, well-known Olympic uh, team gold medalist uh, from Germany, yeah. um, her, her mother passed away. She was 84 years old, and uh, she died on April the 11th after a long illness. And, of course, she was married to the legendary uh, George uh, Teodorescu, and apparently her first husband, I, I didn't realize this until I read this news piece, that she was first married to Hans Gunther Winkler. You remember the uh, very famous uh, German show jumper? Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, interesting, interesting story, and it reminds me in uh, Aachen four years ago, I saw Hans Gunther for the first time for many years since he retired, and I have a photo of a wonderful photo opportunity of him with George Morris, uh, two absolute legends in the world of show jumping, and they were uh, having a, I'm sure, reminiscing and <clears throat> talking about the sport today. And uh, I managed to capture that photo. I thought that was, uh, you know, it's fun to capture the legends, you know, especially when you don't see those riders so often now. Well, absolutely, and the two together at Aachen, that's a quite a valuable photo. It sounds like. Yeah, it was fun to capture. But anyway, our our condolences to Monica on the loss of her her mother, last week. And another item of news from Europe is that the FEI Bureau gave its unanimous approval to new steward guidelines on warm-up techniques produced, that were produced by the working group that performed after the roundtable conference held in Lausanne on February 9th, which we reported here on the Dressage Radio Show. 
And one of those key stipulations in the working group's report was that all unacceptable training methods and techniques must be stopped immediately. The working group was also insistent that abuse of the horse should be avoided and, in particular, stressing the horse, aggressive riding and inflicting pain and or discomfort on the horse must be prevented. And you can read the full story of that uh, Bureau's report um, by the steward and the steward's guidelines by following the link on our website. Um, you know these uh, these uh, issues continue to unfold, Heather, and really call, you know calling attention on the sport and the welfare, maintaining the welfare of the horse at all times. But um, no doubt, uh, measures that have to be put in place. Well, they do. Of course, we all have to look after our horses' best interest in all ways possible, and whether it's our own horses or our peers' horses. But, you know, I sure hope we come to a resolve on this soon and we can, you know, our sport can just move on past it and, uh, you know, get down to better business. Absolutely, and focus on the actual sport. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a short break here. When we come back, we're going to hear from our guest this week, Julie McCain, who, uh, as I said earlier, is the recipient uh, of graduate of the Dressage Foundation's Olympic Dream Program. So uh, don't go away. We'll be back in just a second. Well, it's Rolex and Test Event time here at the Kentucky Horse Park in Lexington, Kentucky. And Kentucky Performance Products is a local company that offers you the quality assurance that you are looking for for your sport horses. Each supplement is manufactured to exacting standards in certified facilities. Their ingredients are forged from highly reputable suppliers, and their formulas are fixed to ensure consistency in each bucket. Kentucky Performance Products has recently unveiled their newest product called Contribute. Unlike other omega-3 supplements, Contribute contains both plant and marine sources of omega-3 fatty acids. Omega-3 fatty acids support virtually every system in the horse's body, including the immune system, reproductive system, nervous system, bone development, and the cardiovascular system. Contribute offers horse owners, breeders, and trainers an affordable way to provide beneficial omega-3 fatty acids to their horses. Learn more about Contribute and all the products at Kentucky Performance Products. That's kppusa.com. That's kppusa.com. Well, I'm joined now by Julie McCain, who won the, uh, uh, she was graduate, as I said, of the Dressage Foundation's uh, Young Rider Olympic Dream Program, which uh, is now going into its ninth year. And we reported that here on the Dressage Radio Show last week. And uh, uh, Julie actually was a graduate in 2007. And we we're going to hear now from, from Julie and how that affected her career and the benefits and experience that she gained from that experience. Well, Julie, welcome, and thanks for joining us on the Dressage Radio Show. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I hear you're a graduate of this wonderful program, the Olympic Dream Program, that is uh, funded and administered by the Dressage Foundation and, and, and had that experience uh, back in 2007. Tell us what that was like for you. Well, um, the Young Rider Olympic Dream Program is it's a very unique opportunity in the U.S., that's only offered to the Dressage Foundation. Um, it provides young dressage riders with an incredibly comprehensive experience of the sport of dressage in Germany. And the reason the Dressage Foundation offers this program to young riders is to educate us and to inspire the whole next generation of dressage professionals because uh, someday we're going to be leading the sport. Um, 
I was selected for the program in 2007, as you mentioned, and I can truly say that uh, it's been one of the most eye-opening experiences that I've been able to have within the sport. Um, the participants of the program are taken to several farms in Germany, and um, we're able to watch some of the world's best trainers train. And not only that, but we get to meet them and, and talk with them and ask them questions. And um, it's, it's just an incredibly rare and special opportunity to be able to be face-to-face -face with the riders and the trainers that are, you know, leading the sport and bringing it to new heights. Um, so for me, it was really just one of the most valuable experiences and most inspirational that I could have asked for. Um, you know, it really prepared me in many ways also for my future endeavors in the business aspect of the sport. Well, you, of course, are just turning, what, 2022 20, this year, Julie, and you're, you're obviously a graduate of the Young Rider program as well. And so tell us a little bit about where your career was when you went on this program, because uh, you, you had a horse that you've been partnered with for a while. So how did this sort of fit in, into your total career at that time? Uh, well, back in 2007, when I went on the trip, I was uh, transitioning into the young rider level. I had been very successful doing the FBI junior level. Um, my horse, Javinsky, and I were team gold medalists at the Junior Young Rider Championships and also the freestyle gold medalist and individual silver medalist. And um, I continued to train the same horse, and we worked up to the young rider level. And um, we, we didn't go to the championships in 2007, but I had this great opportunity um, to go to instead. And... The next year, we made a team, our Young Rider team, and we also did very well. That was held in Colorado in 2008, and um, my team took home uh, the silver medal that year. And I'm, I'm just very proud and um, very fortunate to have had such a great partner. And I really, I think I owe it to him because he's given me you know, the credentials that I needed to be able to, you know, be uh, be ready for this kind of opportunity. So how did you get selected then for that trip, Julie, back in 2007? Well, there's, um, there's a whole uh, application process. Um, you know, they, they look at your accomplishments, um, your goals, your training experiences, and also, um, you know, they they just want to know a little bit about your character and is this something that you really want to pursue. Um, so it's, it's something, you know, you don't have to be a young rider gold medalist or any kind of medalist to be chosen for, um, but uh, I definitely would encourage, you know, all young riders to apply for it and just go for it it's totally it's it's totally worth it so when did you get into the sport of dressage initially julie well i started out um as an eventer i started riding when i was eight um oh so you're a convert i am a convert <laughs> good for you <laughs> but yeah my focus 
really shifted when I was about 13. I just, I had a lot of fear uh, with the jumps, and I just really enjoyed dressage much more. So that's how it all started. <laughs> well, who inspired you when at that time in your career then when you were thinking, oh, eventing's not for me, I'm going to have a go at dressage? Who were your role models that you uh, admired? Um, I have to say my my first trainer, uh, Willette Brown, she's from Maine, she really, you know, supported me and told me I should do whatever, whatever I wanted and I could do whatever I wanted to. And... Um, I really, I admired London Gray a lot. Um, she's a huge player in the, um, in, you know, uh, excuse me, supporting young riders and uh, creating these opportunities for them. Uh, so I've always been a huge admirer of her. And who are you currently training with? I'm training with Cesar Para here in New Jersey. And you're you're at school, I believe. You're um, at Ryder College in, in in New Jersey. There, so finishing up school. What what next for you, Julie? What what are you going to do with the horse you have, and and what ambitions do you have for the future? Well, my horse um, is currently for sale. He'll be twelve this year, so it just seems like a you know the right time. He's at a saleable age. Um, but in the meantime, I'm looking forward to finishing school in the next year, and. Um, I'll be looking for my next horse, which I hope to uh, compete in the Brentina Cup with. Well, that's exciting. And so have have you begun that process of looking for the next horse, or are you waiting till you finish up at school? Yeah, I'm waiting. I'm waiting a little bit till things calm down in my life. I really want to be able to um, have all my focus on my dressage endeavors, you know, when I when I get to that point of moving on to the Brentina Cup and working towards Grand Prix. So what what's your career going to look like then if we talk to you in, in, a, in two, five years' time, say? Where's, where's Julie McCain going to be? Well, um, I imagine I'll uh, be working for someone and hopefully still competing. Um, I'd like to spend some time in Germany. I'm actually a German major in school, um, and I'm, I'm very interested in uh, dressage for ponies as well. I'm uh, only five feet, so I feel that I have a really special niche in the sport for um, FEI pony dressage, and I thought maybe perhaps I could find a position in Germany doing that since it's so huge over there. Well, that would be very exciting, and having the language as well, that uh, you can o- overcome that, that's not going to be a hurdle for you. Uh, so you would see yourself spending some time over there and advancing your dressage career bef- before settling him back here in the States? Yes, absolutely, and I hope that you know I can, I can help bring the ponies and make it a bigger, bigger uh, part of the sport over here in the United States. Well, that's wonderful, and uh, you know it's great that, as you said, you that you had, had has been a part of that Olympic Dream program. That that uh, you you know you're a graduate of that, and you've had a taste of Europe already, and obviously inspired you for the rest of your career. Yes, I'm absolutely sure. Um, you know that was it was so eye opening and amazing. I just I can't wait to get in there and you know go back and 
explore even more. Now, well, we uh, we want to thank you for joining us today, Julie, and sharing your enthusiasm. And, and uh, we will for sure put a link to uh, the Dressage Foundation's website on our site and, and explain where you can you know, apply to be a part of this program and uh, hopefully bring back some stories like Julie has of uh, her, her time in, in Germany. Julie, we want to wish you the very best of luck with the rest of your school, of course, and that's it's important if your parents are listening that you finish school up, right? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Before you uh, head off into uh, to Europe and uh, the rest of your career in dressage, we want to wish you the very, very best of luck and thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. Well, our thanks again to Julie. Great to have her on. You know, this is a wonderful initiative, uh, Heather. And as we heard from Catherine last week, Catherine was saying that she invites these young riders when they come over on this tour to visit her. And so she's hoping that they'll stop by this year as when they go on that European trip. It's a marvelous experience for them, isn't it? Uh, absolutely. I can imagine. Um, you know, when I was that age, it was just, just getting barely into the sport and I missed out on all those great things and those opportunities but yeah what a wonderful thing for them yeah it it really is because as you know having been based in Europe you really have to have that kind of exposure exposure in in the sport to understand really the different cultures and how the sport is made up because it's so easy just to see it from an American perspective and and not have that kind of exposure to uh, to other cultures and and judges and uh, and let not least of all of course the venues. Oh, absolutely! It's just that the perspective you get is um, really invaluable, and to see how many horses are there, you know what what sort of a of a professional business it is in Europe, and just how much the the culture there is geared towards equestrianism um, is is just very eye-opening. Um, I don't think so much uh, overwhelming or anything like that, but um, just such a great perspective, and, and it's hard to describe until you just see it and you come back with lots of different angles on um, on the whole dressage world and jumping and just the equestrian world in general. Absolutely. It, put, it puts uh, the dressage in this country in context when you have that global perspective, doesn't it? Yeah, so concentrated over there. So concentrated, it really is. And I know it's an eye-opener for, for so many riders, and not least of all for, for young riders at that formative uh, stage in their career. So we wish uh, those young riders the very best of luck as they uh, win a place on that program this year, and we'll be continuing that story and maybe get one of the this year's graduates on the show a little bit later on in the year and uh, talking about uh, young riders making their debut over in, in Europe you know Adrian Lyle is over there um, I think competing in Hagen with uh, I think it's one of the shows she has on her schedule with Debbie McDonald and Wizard and uh, that of course was her debut I saw she was posting uh, photos on Facebook and sharing that experience uh, of traveling to Europe and uh, I know she she was, of course, on our show a few weeks ago before she left, so we'll no doubt get her back on the show and hear about uh, those experiences that uh, she gained. Um, and, of course, having Debbie alongside her, I think she calls her a second mom. Uh, that's got to help her, you know, to have somebody hold your hand, right? Well, absolutely. What a lucky girl. I'm, I'm jealous. <laughs> all right well we're going to take another break here and when we come back we're going to hear from your tip of the week and i think it's going to be some advice on um, double bridles isn't it this week heather yeah i'm going to lend a little advice about that all right well stay tuned we'll be back in just a second 
Glenn the Geek here, and we get many emails every week from people who really like the shows, and they ask how they can help support the Horse Radio Network. Well, you already do that by listening to the shows and by buying from all of our fantastic sponsors. And now you can add to that by supporting us directly and very easily. The next time you need something from Amazon, just go to any of our websites and click on the Amazon banner in the middle of the page. Then go on and buy your Amazon items. It won't cost you a penny more, just an extra click. But Amazon gives us a little bit back just because you clicked on the banner. Tell your family and friends to do the same thing. Every little bit helps us to keep giving you the quality equestrian programming that you have come to love. Thanks for listening. Well, Heather, this is a, this is an interesting one because, you know, you see so many riders ride in a double bridle and you have to wonder do they actually need it is it is it something they feel they should be wearing they should get their horse used to but before they actually really need it so i'll be interested to hear what you have to say about when to put your horse in a double bridle well i get a lot of questions from my students and as far as you know they ask me when their horses should go in double bridles and there can be some sort of general rules to follow, but there's also a lot of um, listening to what the situation is between the horse and rider, of course. Um, so first of all, I mean, the, the rider has to be educated enough to be able to sit on the horse with very independent hands and to be the kind of rider that can let go of the reins at, at a split second when they need to um, and the kind of rider that doesn't let the horse hang into the bridle or lean into the reins in a way that the curb rein or the, the second rein that you add in the double bridle um, would become, you know, used in the wrong way. So that being said, if you've got a very competent rider who's ready for the double bridle, um, then I think horses around maybe coming six years old should start be, being introduced to it. And... Um, you know, just as long as it's used as it, like I said, in a very careful way, introduced into the horse, listening to the horse for sure, to um, make sure that it's you know it's all going well, that it's not being used in the wrong way. As far as just trying to crank the horse's nose down or to get the neck rounder, um, I really think of a double bridle as getting a little bit more stopping power or rebalancing power. But um, I definitely don't put it on when I think that the horse has to just get its nose more down. And, you know, maybe in a lot of less educated minds or hands, that might sort of be what is thought about for double bridles, and it, it just it shouldn't be. I mean, the roundness, maybe you've heard from other tips that I've given on the radio show, that um, I really believe that the roundness in the horse should come from a very natural reason, the horse being really balanced and very reactive to go and stop, and if left in self-carriage, the roundness should come from, you know, natural reasons for the horse to be in an athletic place. The neck becomes round. So, you know, double bridles just can't be used as a way to sort of fake it, that the horse's neck or nose can be in a certain position. But um, on the other hand, you know, they should start being introduced to it and um, taught how to stay in front of the rider's leg and come into the hand and accept a light pressure with all four reins when it's used at that point. And, you know, once my horses are going in the double bridle, I know there's also a kind of a general idea that you should only put them in it every now and then, um, you know, a few times a week and then back in the snaffle again. And if, again, the rider is very educated and very correct about using the double bridle, then 
I, I tend to think you can keep them in it as long as uh, you want. And, and I don't see as much reason in the way I train and, and my horses that they have to go back in the snapple for any kind of a predetermined reason. Um, of course, if I go out and hack, if I lunge, if I long line, they're usually in the snapple. But if they go well in a double on a daily basis, I keep them in it. Um, I can also, you know, very much regulate which bit I'm using at which moment in the training. So, um, but as far as a, as, a, as a general idea, listen to the horse, listen to the training, and if it's going well on the double, you can stay in the double. Um, you know, if if going into the snaffle makes the double just even that much more effective, um, you can kind of refresh them in the snaffle. But I think make it personal, make it. Um, you know, something that you go back and forth or stay in a double depending on, you know, that particular horse, that particular training program. But bottom line is that the rider really has educated feet and independent hands enough that when it, when you do use it, you use it for the right reasons. But um, that's kind of just what I had in mind for, um, for the tip on double bridles. Well, thank you, Heather. Very, very good advice. And, you know, I think these tips are really helpful to our listeners. And, and uh, I know we, we, we get some really nice responses to that. And we have one this week from Tanya, who writes uh, that uh, she loves the show and she looks forward to playing it on her drive to the barn. And she says, I wish your shows were more than once a week. And she today, she, the show that she listened to mentioned education. And Catherine Haddad, of course, was talking about the Steuben Saddles after her visit to the Steuben factory. And she said, and uh, Tanya says she would like to see a discussion-oriented education series with a loose curriculum of areas that dressage riders need to think about. Um, then that's a very interesting point, Tanya. We certainly will give that some thought, and we uh, look. We, we obviously welcome your comments. If anyone else has any ideas about what that might look like, uh, we'll certainly take that on board. Because, but I know that our tips are very well received, and we of course air them not only on the Dressage Radio Show, but also on our tip of the day, which uh, Glenn the Geek, of course, co-hosts. So. You can check those out if you miss them on the Dressage Radio Show or you listen to them on the tip of the week. Uh, be sure to come across and listen to the rest of the Dressage Radio Show here every week on the dressageradio.com. Uh, well, Heather, um, I know that um, Paragon has a fan page on Facebook because I follow him. And, you know, we've followed his... Uh, his progress whilst he was in Denmark and since you brought him back here and he, and he puts all kind of fun stuff. He's got quite a following on Facebook. And I, I noticed the other day that he, he must've been out hacking with you because he came across a couple of alligators. What, what's the story behind that? Well, yeah, we did go out for a hack and we've got these um, canals that run behind the barn and quite, quite a, a distance all around. And um, before we even made it, maybe, 500 feet, we saw two of them, and um, they were a little more scared of us than we were of them. Actually, we weren't scared of them at all. Uh, but <laughs> they were Wait, you, mean, you mean Paragon wasn't, or you weren't, or you neither of you were? Well, we were both pretty okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> it was probably Paragon's first sighting. It wasn't my first sighting, but I think it was his first sighting, and he didn't even blink an eye. He um, I just didn't care at all, so... That was nice. Now, later on in the hack, when we saw a white pole on the ground, okay, now that was different. <laughs> <laughs> that was much more scary. But the alligator, no problem. <laughs> 
So he's not going to be doing cavalettes anytime soon then? <laughs> Maybe not. I think he was telling me something there. Yeah, most definitely. But I guess with him, he's he's how big is he now? He is a solid 18 hands. 18 hands. So you're far enough off the ground, really, to not be too intimidated by an alligator, I guess. No, I think they could, they couldn't reach me. They might be able to get him, but they can't reach me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that uh, there's a message there. If you live in that part of um, Florida, be sure to ride a tall horse. Ride a tall horse and don't take your dogs on the hack with you. I mean, that's some serious advice. People do lose their dogs to these gators around here. The ones I saw maybe weren't, maybe not big enough, quite big enough to take my dog down, but it does happen. It's a real concern. It's um, something that certainly wouldn't think about in lots of parts of the country, but down here it's a, it's a concern, especially now it's warming up and the sun is shining and the gators come up to get all warmed up by the sun. They're cold-blooded reptiles, so... Um, you start seeing them more now that it's getting into late April and beginning May. So got to watch out for them. Absolutely. Good advice there, Heather. Well, uh, I, you know, we'll keep that in mind. Not that I plan to ride in, uh, in that part of alligator country anytime soon, but I think I'd be pretty, pretty scared. I've seen snakes, you know, when I lived in Italy on the east coast of Italy and uh, how I used to get down to the beach very early in the morning. I'd go and gallop the horses on the beach, you know, at like 5 a.m. And I had to go through... Um, a belt of trees, of, of of evergreen trees, and there were snakes in there, and they used to scare the heck out of me trying to get from the track, to, the, on the track, to cross the, through the trees to get to the beach. Uh, you know, it was fun when I got there to gallop on the beach, but, uh, you know, the, you hear all kinds of stories, and you wonder how many of these are made up, you know, of snakes and horses and <laughs> <laughs> you have to, when, uh, you know, Pete, the, the horses do stamp. Have you come across horses when it's? Uh, have you come across snakes when you're riding? I'm sure I have at some point in my life, but um, not recently. I, I wouldn't like to do that either. And uh, I've come across a few armadillos or mice and things like that, and that that's scary enough. But a slithering snake, ew, ew, nobody likes that. <laughs> No. <laughs> all right well there's a thought to leave you with all this week um before we go we want to remind you uh, that you can follow our show notes of course dressageradio.com or you can join our fan pages on facebook uh, that's for the show dressage radio or my face fan page or heathers or indeed paragons don't forget the paragon posts all kinds of fun things about meeting alligators when he's out on a hack so uh, follow us all uh, on facebook and on twitter horse radio chrissy stafford and heather blitz or if you have any uh, comments, questions or suggestions for Heather or me you can send those over to chris at horseradionetwork.com or if you prefer, please leave us a voicemail at 270-803-0025 I want to thank our sponsors for making this show possible please support them as they support us and to our crew for uh, Glenn the Greek and for Brian for making us sound good every week and I also want to remind you that the eventing radio show will be bringing daily coverage of the Rolex Kentucky 3 day event And the Jumping Radio Show and the uh, Dressage Radio Show will be reporting next week on the test events for the World Equestrian Games, which uh, are taking place uh, this week, as we speak, in the Kentucky Horse Park. 
and also reminds you that the 2010 radio show, which is dedicated to the World Equestrian Games, that's co-hosted by Glenn the Keek and Samantha Clark, they will be bringing you special episodes of the test events from the Kentucky Horse Park. So don't forget to check out all those shows. And we're going to be catching up with uh, Catherine Haddad in a couple of weeks' time when uh, she's... Uh, going to tell us more about the um, Stuben, the new um, uh, technology that uh, she explained last week in, in the Stuben saddles. And we're also going to be uh, joined by Frank Stuben there in Switzerland. So looking forward to that very educational conversation that we're having in a couple of weeks' time. You know, Catherine laid down a challenge for you last week, Heather. You know, she, she came back. You know, you started off this joke series. <laughs> she came back at you. <laughs> Well, you know, since we're on the subject of, of Florida and a little bit what it's like to live here with the alligators and all, I thought I would do some research into some of the state laws that are a little bit obscure here. So in case any of you are thinking about moving to Florida, you might need to know that if you have an elephant and you tie him to a parking meter, you have to put money in the parking meter the same as you would if you had a vehicle. So don't forget that one because it's really important. <laughs> Do you have a lot of elephants that are roaming the streets of Florida, Heather? <laughs> well, you never know. You know, it's pretty eclectic culture down here. So you just never know. You might even know that. <laughs> um, another fine fact is that men may not be seen uh, in strapless gowns in public. Oh, so really? So about moving to Florida, you may not wear any kind of strapless gown. So keep that in mind. Well, there's a message to all our male listeners, and we have lots of them, you know, and they may be thinking of vacationing in, in Florida. So that's really sound advice, Heather. I appreciate that. You wear a gown with sleeves, but don't make it strapless. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the line you cannot cross. Okay. Um, and, you know, then the third one that I thought would be, uh, you know, very informational to many is that a special law prohibits unmarried women from parachuting on Sunday or she shall risk arrest, fine, and or jailing. So make sure you don't parachute on Sundays. <laughs> I know I'm going to. I'm not yeah. married and I'm not parachuting now on Sundays. I'm just going to have to stop doing that. You're going to have to stop it. So were you, were you, did somebody you know, catch up with you with your parachute on a Sunday just as you thought you were going to parachute and they told you, hey, no, you can't do that here on a Sunday? No, see, I mean, I've gotten away with it so far. But I will not do it anymore because now I can run the risk of an arrest, fine, or jailing. And I just, I don't you like could. jail. You, no, no, we don't want you, you, you know, I, I, I can see the headlines, you know. Heather Blitz bailed out of jail for parachuting on a Sunday. And that is against Lord Paul, so remember that. Well, I think they're some of the best tips of the week, Heather. We're, um, you know, I, what would we do without you bringing this, uh, our jokes and tips of the week? That makes the show. <laughs> Glad I can be in assistance. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, and good advice from our friend Heather here, um, we'll uh, wrap it up for this week, and I'll be back in the chair next week. So until then. Thanks for listening, and mind your writing.